Hello, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. We're talking about the grace of God and what it is. This is a seven-part series, and this is our second video, um, audio, excuse me, um, on Made Alive, the grace of God. Remember, the grace of God is like a diamond, has many facets, and we're just going to touch on seven of those today. Um, actually, we're going to touch up on Made Alive, and we'll continue this series. The Greek word for Thanksgiving, first of all, is Eucharistios and that's Eucharistos, and the meaning is to give thanks for God's grace, okay? And so to have an attitude of thanksgiving really is to know and understand what the grace of God is, and that's why we want to go through this series so that um, we can give thanks for God's grace and have an attitude of thanksgiving. Um, you know, social media is full of sick and twisted behavior nowadays, isn't it? Have you ever noticed that? I don't want to get into judgment, but uh, man, it's just, it's uh, sick and twisted out there. We see a lot of behavior and performance out there, just not so good. Um, why does it surprise us when spiritually dead people do dead things? You ever think about that? Because before Christ, the scripture's telling us in Romans 5.12 that every man and woman is spiritually dead and separated from God before Christ, okay? And so what happens is we entered into this world in this condition. And so when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. So dead people just do dead things, and that's, that's where that comes from. Um, remember the lost um, are spiritually hungry and thirsty, as we see in Matthew 5, 6, where Jesus said, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So as lost people before Christ, we were hungry and thirsty for spiritual needs, um, and our spiritual need was life. We needed life, and that is found in Christ. Now, for the saved who has, who has been made alive in Christ, we are now satisfied. The needs for um, love and acceptance, those spiritual needs, have been met now in Christ. And yes, those are spiritual needs. A lot of times our minds will tell us those are physical needs, but they're not. We have to remember that they're um, spiritual needs that are met in Christ. Ephesians 2.1 tells us, And you he made alive when you were dead, spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins. Speaking to the body of Christ here, when we were made alive, um, and so at conversion, of course, um, so the question I had is, how do, you, how do we know that we're going to heaven? You know, that should be, a, um, we should know um, that as believers in Christ, how we're going to heaven, um, we, we should have that guarantee. Um, of how we're going to heaven. First John 5.11 tells us, and this is God, this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So how do we know we're going to heaven? Well, if we have eternal life in Christ at conversion, then we know we're going to heaven. That's our guarantee. Remember, God is so rich in mercy because He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. Remember, it is only by God's grace that we have been saved. Remember, there's a two-sided coin of salvation. 
you take a coin and you see forgiveness on one side and life in Christ on the other side. So when we were dead in our sins and uncircumcision of our flesh, God made us alive together with Christ and he forgave us all of our sins. There was a time when my dad bought me, I have to share a testimony with you on this video, but on this audio, but you know, uh, there was a time when my dad bought me a truck and uh, it was overwhelming to say the least, but it was a gift and I had a hard time receiving the gift at first, um, but as I um, later discovered, he didn't want anything in return for this. It was a gift and I think, you know, at that time God was teaching me about his grace about how we can't earn it or pay for it. It's a gift. And it pleases Him and builds Him up to bless us. Remember, God blesses us with His grace because of how good He is. So the benefits of being made alive spiritually, really, is to all who believed in Him, to accept Him, He gave us the right to become children of God. So when we were made alive, folks, we were given the right to be called children of God. So as children of God, we've also been qualified to be ministers of a new covenant. Did you know that? 2 Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. He's going to tell us that uh, we were not competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God who made us competent to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills and the Spirit gives life. And so keep in mind there that that life actually qualifies the body of Christ to be ministers of the new covenant. So the work of the ministry, of course, we're going to see that it's from the time we get up to the time we go to sleep and everything in between. Starts off with having a spirit of humility. Remember, we're not going to initiate anything under this new covenant. Jesus dies for us so he can give his life to us, so he can transmit his life through us. So with a spirit of humility, we're going to offer um, our bodies as living sacrifices, which is our holy and pleasing spiritual act of worship. And so it is God in us now, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him through us. Remember, as we're led by the Spirit, we're no longer under the law, meaning under human effort or trying. It's all about trusting the Spirit's leading in our lives as children of God. And... Um, to teach us everything we need to know. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Jesus said this. He said he gave us our need for dependency on him in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abide in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So keep in mind the word abide is not something we need to do. It's rather a place we live in. It's like we abide in our house. That means we live there. Um, and so, or our spirit lives in our body. You see, my spirit doesn't need to do anything. It just is. It's living in my body. And so as we're one spirit with Christ, remember, whoever's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We're going to just live from the life-giving spirit of Christ to bear his character, which is just trusting in Christ as our source. Remember, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, the world doesn't understand the light, but they see it. Some will like it and some won't. Remember, the light shines in the darkness, and when light walks out each day, keep in mind the world is darkness. Okay, So we don't have to go into dark places necessarily. 
but rather the darkness is just out our front door. Remember, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. They don't understand it. Remember, to the body of Christ, we were once darkness, but now we're light in the Lord, so we should live as children of light, for this light within us produces what is pure, what is true, and what is right. In conclusion, keep in mind that before Christ, man had a problem. Pascal said it this way very nicely. He says, God, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every human being that cannot be filled by any created thing, only by God made known through Jesus Christ. Thank you. We are grace teaching today. We're talking about the seven facets of God's grace. Remember, the grace of God is like a diamond, has many facets. And so we're on justified. Um, the word justified, you've often heard from the pulpit, just as if I'd never sinned in God's sight. Remember that uh, self-condemnation um, is where we proclaim ourselves guilty. You know, that's uh, one of the problems with the body of Christ today is we tend to self-condemn ourselves. But, um, you know, self-condemnation, remember, it's just um, to pronounce ourselves guilty. Remember, Jesus was guilty for everyone when he hung up on a cross 2,000 years ago. And so, God the Father blesses us, first of all, because of how good he is and we know that he loves us this is why he sent his own son Jesus to take away all of our sins so what is God's grace the grace of God is simply Jesus Christ what he has done for us who we are in him and what he does through us remember we get to participate with him now as we're one spirit with him which actually gave us our right to be called children of God. So as we live from the life-giving Spirit of Christ, we can bear His character, as found in Galatians 5.22. Remember, when we have an attitude of thankfulness, it's difficult to be unhappy. Have you ever thought about that? That's what grace is all about. The Greek word for thanksgiving to have an attitude of thanksgiving is Eucharistos, and its meaning is the giving of thanks for God's grace. So we want to get in the habit of giving God thanks for His grace. Joy in the Greek language is chara. The word is chara, and its meaning is extreme happiness or extreme gladness. The awareness of God's grace is what it means. Um, again, joy in the Greek language is chara. That's the word we get, and its meaning is the awareness of God's grace. It's to experience extreme happiness or extreme gladness. The grace of God is simply Jesus Christ. He died for us so he could give his life to us, so he could transmit his life through us. This is the third piece of God's armor that the Apostle Paul explains, and he talks about this, put on the full armor of God's armor, and uh, 
So the third piece of God's armor, of course, was the shoes of peace. And uh, peace with God and the peace of God. Romans 5.1, we, we go there and we see that we, uh, why we have been justified and what that really means. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, justified means to be right in God's sight. And so, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we were made right with God. That's what it means to be justified through faith. So the, the justified, in the Greek language, the, uh, it means the act of pronouncing righteousness, to pronounce righteous. The act of God's declaring men free from guilt and acceptable to him all the time. So justified in the Hebrew language means right with God. Okay, so there's no confusion. Remember, because Jesus died to take away sins, and was raised to life to make people right with God, people have peace with God the Father now. In conclusion, remember God the Father knows how to get his children to start pleasing him. You know, as we know that children can be rebellious and, uh, and do things that they're, you know, not supposed to do. Well, the way the God, the way the Father gets his children to a place of wanting to please him is first of all we love him because he first loved us remember when the Holy Spirit continues to show us and reveal to us our unconditional loving father's love for us it's going to cause us to want to please him as his children and we'll ask the Holy Spirit questions like Holy Spirit I want to please the father how do I do it I know I don't have to to get his approval, but I already am loved and approved by him because of what Jesus Christ has done. But now I have a desire, an internal desire, to want to please him as God's child. So how do I do this? And the Holy Spirit will teach us how to abide in Christ and live from the life-giving spirit of Christ to start bearing his character. Remember John 15, 8. This glorifies my Father, Jesus said, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This has been our third teaching on the grace of God. Stay tuned for four more. This is a seven-part series. Thank you. Hello, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. We're talking about the grace of God. What is the grace of God. That's what we're going to talk about. First of all, this series is going to be a seven-part series, and so we want to, you know, just start this out with um, asking, you know, how is it going to be possible to have an attitude of thanksgiving, no matter what's going on in our lives? You know, we all want to know the secret to that, um, and so we're going to have to go to the Greek language. We get the word eucharistos, um, and its meaning is to give thanks for God's grace. So the word thanksgiving in the Greek language is eucharistos, and the meaning is the giving of thanks for God's grace. And so that's what we're, uh, we're talking about here. Um, and so first of all, we have to understand 
what the grace of God is. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this series. But uh, again, remember, joy also is something uh, we experience um, through God's grace. And joy in the Greek language is the word chara, and its meaning is the awareness of God's grace. Another word for joy is extreme happiness. How would you like to experience extreme happiness when your circumstances were a complete disaster? And that's, what, uh, that's why this message is so important um, to know what God's grace is and to understand it. Of course, understanding God's grace is experiencing His grace. And so we want to just start out by saying the grace of God is simply Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus dies for us so he can give his life to us, so he can live his life through us. Now we're participating with him as we're one spirit with him. Remember, the Holy Spirit right now is in the process of convicting the body of Christ of how loved we are by our Father. And uh, this has nothing to do with physical performance or behavior, but our Father loves his children in Christ unconditionally all the time. In fact, this is catalyst for change in the, uh, for the body of Christ. Um, and, uh, so keep in mind that the awareness of God's grace will enable us to experience joy on a moment-by-moment basis. This takes us to our first part, um, what is God's grace? And so I'm going to give you seven as an intro here. Remember, the grace of God is like a diamond. It has many facets. And so the first facet of God's grace we're going to talk about is forgiveness. And we'll talk about that today on this part. On the other, seven, on the other six parts, we're going to talk about made alive. What does it mean to be made alive? Well, the Bible tells us before Christ, we're spiritually dead, separated from God, you know. And, and this is why before Christ, we did dead things. Um, spiritually dead people do dead things. And so it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to see, you know, if you've seen social media, um, you've, you've seen some pretty horrific things. And we have all done horrific things before Christ. And there was a reason for that. We were dead spiritually, needed life, and that's what Made Alive is all about. The next one we're going to talk about is justified. It's just as if God um, sees us with no sins. So keep in mind, um, because we are justified, um, this means we are right with the Father all the time. Um, And so, again, the fourth one is going to be good deeds. Good deeds. Did you know the grace of God actually produces good deeds through us. As we're participating with the Lord, we're going to find out that we're going to produce good deeds. Um, And the next one, of course, is power and weakness. You know, when we're at our weakest, that's when God is at his strongest in us and through us. So keep that in mind. Living godly lives is the next one. And uh, uh, that's going to be Um, You know, a lot of times um, the grace of God is not a license to live a sloppy life, but it's rather a power to live a godly life. And so we're going to find that in Titus 2, 11 and 12. That's going to be our key verse for that study, where we see that the grace of God has appeared to all men, um, teaching us now to deny ungodliness and to live upright. 
godly lives in the last days. And of course, the next one will be saved. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, it's a gift from God. So it's kind of like, you know, when you look at a butterfly, it's always the same, isn't it? That's the way the Father sees his new creature, always the same. And so anyone in Christ is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so, and so that's the, the seven facets of God's grace that we will talk about. The Apostle Peter said this, to grow in the grace. Now, growing in grace is different than, uh, than uh, knowing the grace of God and understanding the grace of God. But the growing in grace is actually getting to know Christ better. The Apostle Paul actually said, My determined purpose is that I may become more intimately acquainted with him, Christ, and to share in his suffering. Remember, we don't have to pray for suffering because we get it, but Paul, the Apostle Paul, prayed for suffering and he knew it would accomplish getting to know Christ better. So, as forgiveness is our first part today, we're going to talk about forgiveness. Ephesians 1 7 tells us, In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So the first facet of God's grace is through the blood of Jesus we are forgiven and forgiven of all of our sins. Remember David said, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. John said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. The Apostle Paul wrote his second letter to the Corinthians and said, God is no longer counting people's sins against them. In fact, he was purchasing everybody back to himself through the death of his own son, Jesus. And this is love. Remember, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away all of our sins. That's right. The motive for God giving his son is because he loved us. Okay? And so God loves everyone. Unbelievers and believers. Remember, God gave him as a sacrifice to pay for sins. So he forgives the sins of those who have faith in his blood. That word faith actually just means belief. The word belief means accept. So if we have accepted what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, we are forgiven children of God. Thank you. Hello, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. You know, I believe Christians should be the most thankful people on the planet. <clears throat> we'll explain that today. Did you know faith, mercy, grace, salvation, and good works that were prepared in advance for us to do were all gifts from God? That's right. Think about this. Before Christ, we were in, uh, we were spiritually dead and separated from God. We were in Adam, sinners. Paul describes it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. He says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subjects to God's anger, just like everyone else. 
Now, like I said, before Christ, we were in a mess. But at conversion in Christ, um, things changed. First of all, did you know the gift? Did you know faith was a gift given to us by God? That's right. Faith was actually a gift. And uh, so God gives us the gift of faith. Why does he give us the gift of faith? Well, faith means to believe or to accept or to trust. And so we read in Romans 5.1, we have been made right with God because of our faith. Now we have peace with him because of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done. You see, what we've done with that faith that God gave us as a gift is we've used that gift of faith to believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, by accepting Him as our personal Savior and Lord. And at conversion, that makes us right with God. It also gives us peace with God. That means He loves us unconditionally all the time. Now keep in mind, without faith, it is impossible to please God the writer of Hebrews says in 11 verse 6. And like I was saying, God's mercy um, was a gift also. You think about this, God's mercy. What is God's mercy? Well, I'll give you a little testimony. First of all, I made an illegal turn in my car, and I had the police officer pull me over. I knew that I made that illegal turn, and as I turned and I saw the red lights in my rearview mirror, I said a quick prayer and says, Father, I realize I was wrong. I made that wrong turn there, and that's why I'm getting pulled over. I was wrong. Will you grant me mercy in Jesus' name? And when that police officer pulled me over, he came over to the side of the car there. I rolled down the window, and he said, Do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, Yes. I made an illegal turn. And you know what he said is, he says, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to give you a warning this time. But uh, make sure you don't do that again. You see, I didn't deserve his mercy, did I? I didn't deserve the police officer's mercy. I deserved a ticket. But he gave me mercy. That's the way God's mercy is. Now, grace would have been different. Grace would have been, now this did not happen, but grace would have been if he, before I left, says, now wait a minute, Um, before you go, I noticed you were low on gas. Let me give you $100 here so you can fill up your tank and keep your tank full as well. Well, you see, I'm blessed on top of forgiven. And so that's God's mercy and grace. I get what I don't deserve. God blesses us because of how good he is. God's mercy is in 2 Corinthians 5.19 where we read, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Okay. And so God's not counting people's sins against them. Why? Because Jesus took them for everyone. Okay. And so Ephesians 2.4 tells us because of God's great love for us who is rich in mercy. You see, it was all because God loved us 
the whole world. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Okay, so that was God's motive for giving his son Jesus is that he loved everyone. Okay, so God's grace was a gift given um, to us. Paul says this in Ephesians 2.5. He says he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Salvation is a gift. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it's a gift from God. Ephesians 2.8 Good works and an identity in Christ now, a new identity. No longer are we in Adam sinners, but we are in Christ, children of God. Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, For we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Be encouraged. Brad, we are Grace Teaching today. What does it mean happiness begins with living a balanced life? Of course, we uh, see a world, we live in a world where, you know, that we get busy and, um, and the busyness can turn into more busyness. You know, we've got overtime, we have um, people with two jobs, some even have three jobs. How do you how do you live a balanced life when you have two or three jobs? Um, you're working back to back, and you know there's no fun, there's no um, family time, there's no relationships, there's no fun, and there's no hobbies, you know, um, and so everything's out of balance. Of course, <clears throat> balance is the key um, to experiencing happiness. Of course, we. Um, we need to live a balanced life to experience happiness. You know, um, I believe it's important for people to have hobbies. Um, hobbies are important. A lot of people don't even know what hobbies are um, if they don't have any because they normally work a lot. Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, and uh, fun, you know, fun is important um, and so on. And so, you know, it's okay to say no. To the employer. Um, I know a lot of us have a hard time with that, but it's actually okay to say, no, I cannot work overtime. I have something else going on. Take a hike. You know, the weather's nice. Go take a hike. Take in a movie. Go to a library. Have some fun. Take some you time. It's important. Have some family time. You know, <clears throat> growing up as a kid, I noticed uh, something uh, out of balance in my dad's life and I learned from him um, he first of all he was a, a great father he has you know he was you know he worked hard it's we have six boys in the family and of course he had to work mom stayed home with the kids you know and dad worked you know he worked 80 hours a week all of his life but the problem is with that is he didn't get to know his kids so when the kids grew up and he grew up it was too late to go back and cultivate those relationships. 
Um, balance is important, um, you know, and so hobbies are important. Not just one hobby, but a few hobbies. There comes a time where you can't do a certain hobby, and you'll have something to fall back on if you have a few different hobbies. But that, that's all important. But balance is important. Um, <clears throat> exercise, you know, it's, it's part of a balance. A lot of times people believe that exercise is an obligation or just something you do on New Year's resolutions. And you do it for about a month and then you quit. You know, um, but exercise is normal. It's normal. That's why they always made us take that class. It was a required course clear up to the freshman year high school. So, of course, balance is important. That's what we're talking about. And we are a grace ministry, so of course we're going to talk about Jesus. That's important. <clears throat> As believers in Christ, we find our joy, first of all, in the person of Christ. When we get up each morning, we acknowledge our need for Christ to, to go with us each day and uh, look to him as our source and life and strength to go out and participate with him throughout the day and teach us how to live a balanced life. That's important. And so when we put him first and go with him throughout the day, what he does is he starts thinking about other people and how we can help other people and be an encouragement to others. But then he'll take us to ourselves and yourself is really important so do the things you like to do and uh, you know whether it be uh, going to the gym or going to the library or taking a walk um, having some family time a dinner out with the spouse or maybe even you know playing catch with the kids whatever it is you enjoy doing for yourself um, remember Jesus others and yourself stands for joy and so <clears throat> happiness begins with living a balanced life hi my name is Brad we are grace teaching today what is the purpose of life have you ever asked that question or have you ever heard somebody ask you that question? And maybe your reply was, you know, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of people looking for the answer to that question. Well, what is the purpose to life? Well, first of all, if we're in Christ, the Bible tells us this. In John 1:12, to all who received him, to them who believed in his name, Jesus Christ, God has given us the right to be called children of God. And so as children of God, our purpose, and there you go, our purpose as children of God is to trust Christ. John 15, 5 tells us this. Jesus said this to his disciples. This applies to us as well in him. Um, he said this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abide in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So the purpose of life, first of all, our life is in Christ. And the purpose of being in Christ is to live from that life. That is living in purpose. Okay. Um, and so this also honors 
God. You know, how do we honor God? Well, it, John 15, 8, Jesus describes it this way. He explains it this way. To honor God, he says this, when you bear much fruit, this honors God, and it shows him that you are my disciples. You see, and so the word abide, it's not an effort. If you're in Christ, you're already abiding in him. It means to live in, to abode. And he lives in us. So to trust him as our very life and source today, to bear his character, is the purpose of life for the believer in Christ. And we honor the Father as we trust Christ. Thank you. Hi, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. What is the purpose of life? Have you ever asked that question? Or have you ever heard somebody ask you that question? And maybe your reply was, you know, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of people looking for the answer to that question. Well, what is the purpose to life? Well, first of all, if we're in Christ, the Bible tells us this in John 1:12, to all who received him, to them who believed in his name, Jesus Christ, God has given us the right to be called children of God. And so as children of God, our purpose, and there you go, our purpose as children of God is to trust Christ. John 15, 5 tells us this. Jesus said this to his disciples. This applies to us as well in him. Um, He said this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abide in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So the purpose of life, first of all, our life is in Christ. And the purpose of being in Christ is to live from that life. That is living in purpose, okay? Um, And so this also honors God. You know, how do we honor God? Well, John 15, 8, Jesus describes it this way. He explains it this way. To honor God, he says this, when you bear much fruit, this honors God, and it shows him that you are my disciples. You see, and so the word abide, it's not an effort. If you're in Christ, you're already abiding in him. It means to live in, to abode. And he lives in us. So to trust him as our very life and source today, to bear his character, is the purpose of life for the believer in Christ. And we honor the Father as we trust Christ. Thank you. Hi, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. What is the purpose of life? Have you ever asked that question? Or have you ever heard somebody ask you that question? And maybe your reply was, you know, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of people looking for the answer to that question. Well, what is the purpose to life? Well, first of all, if we're in Christ... The Bible tells us this in John 1:12, to all who received him, to them who believed in his name, Jesus Christ, God has given us the right to be called 
children of God. And so as children of God, our purpose, and there you go, our purpose as children of God is to trust Christ. John 15, 5 tells us this. Jesus said this through his disciples. This applies to us as well in him. Um, he said this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abide in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So the purpose of life, first of all, our life is in Christ. And the purpose of being in Christ is to live from that life. That is living in purpose. Okay? Um, and so this also honors God. You know, how do we honor God? Well, it, John 15, 8, Jesus describes it this way. He explains it this way. To honor God, he says this, when you bear much fruit, this honors God, and it shows him that you are my disciples. You see, and so the word abide, it's not an effort. If you're in Christ, you're already abiding in him. It means to live in, to abode. And he lives in us. So to trust him as our very life and source today, to bear his character, is the purpose of life for the believer in Christ. And we honor the Father as we trust Christ. Thank you.